Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Good morning. Real quick, what questions do you have that you would like answered in this session? Do you have any real quick? We'll try and make a note of that and get to them at the very end. There will also be a breakout time at the end where you can be in groups and discuss and interact with each other. I'm, I'm trained as a teacher, so if I, if I wait for a long time, I'm supposed to do that because that's, that's when you answer back, right? <laughs> no questions? Okay. Well, you can think about it, write it down, and then when you get to your breakout groups, there'll be time to, to do that. All right, this is about relationships, so don't forget, it's not just about uh, speakers up here giving you information, but interaction, so take advantage. Uh, sorry to talked about that. All right, let's begin. Okay, you've all heard of Matthew 18, completing the Great Commission, what's left to be done? Um, this is the rough outline of where we're going, what are unreached people groups, where are they, why haven't they been reached, and what can we do differently that, than what's been done before. Okay, what's left? Uh, there's some new numbers up here. Um, a year ago, this was 7,000 plus. That's progress. That's real progress. Uh, praise the Lord. We want to see that number down to zero, and then Jesus comes back, right? of the world's people have yet to hear about Jesus. 38%. The flip side is 38% have heard. And people in between are confused. (laughs) Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. Those are the groups we're talking about. So if you are wanting to educate your local church on how do you want to prepare what kinds of cultures, what kinds of communities do you want to get ready for? You want to get ready for these people. Do you know about Islam? Do you know about Hinduism? Do you know about Buddhism? And then find them if they haven't found you already. 2.8 billion people have never heard. And for me personally, this is the, the last thing is the item that really strikes my heart. 87% of missionaries work in nominally Christian areas. That means there is some Christian witness there and has been for some time. So we missionaries need to do a better job as well, and I'll say more about that later. Okay, what is an unreached people group? This definition uh, was given way back in the 1970s. This is not a new thing. Um, There is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate resources, numbers, people to evangelize their own. Uh, this is from the Greek ethne that Jesus used. He talked about we are to disciple every language and tongue, every ethne, every people group. So we get this straight from, from Jesus himself. Where are they? Uh, 1040 window, if you've heard that, can you raise your hand? Is this old news? It's been around for a long time. Pretty much, if, if this were a map of the 1040 window here, uh, West Africa would be here, where we are, and that's the beginning of the 1040 window, and the other end of the map, the other side of the screen, would be South Asia. Okay, In that spot, 
pretty much it's wherever it's really, really hot, <laughs> dusty, sandy, um, unpleasant, um, poor. The largest amount of poor people are found in this area. Um, that's where the majority of the unreached are. All right, why haven't we been able to reach this, this group of people? Well, resident visas are really hard to get in these places. You can visit. You can be a tourist. You can send in teams. You can send in even construction teams. If you need to be in there for two weeks, a month, even three months, uh, you're, you're pretty much good to go in most of these countries. But if you want to stay, that's a whole other universe of pain uh, trying to get that to happen. Uh, many missionaries will tell you that they have to leave their country, go to another, come back in every three months, every six months, just to get that tourist visa renewed, 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 renewed. So that's number one. Culture is hostile to Jesus. Um, in America, I think we're becoming increasingly aware that people don't like Jesus, and they don't like people who like Jesus. People that talk about Jesus are bad people. People who have morals, who have standards, who have absolutes, those are bad people. So, culture is hostile to Jesus. Um, increasingly, um, we have in Africa, we have quite a few live dead teams and missionaries who have been kicked out because um, the government was hostile to Jesus. Or there was a ministry uh, that had just named a new person who was a, a, a hardened militant Islamist, and his agenda was to kick every single Christian, NGO, nonprofit, church, Catholic, doesn't matter. Anything that bears the name of Christ is leaving their country. And that happened as recently as in Sudan. Okay, few have tried to share Christ. This is our responsibility, all of us in this room. Those of us who bear the name of Christ, few have tried to share Christ in the hard places. Many have shared Christ in the easy places. And can I say honestly that it's, it's not an, an odd coincidence that that somehow God calls in quotes people to climates that are really really nice and pleasant and have sunshine every day and where there's Wi-Fi and air conditioning um, that's just the facts so we as leaders need to retrain our people into what what is God's call where is God's call That'll be for discussion later. Physical conditions are difficult. Yeah. Um, we lived in a place where our first house had no air conditioning, had no electricity, had no running water. Um, we slept on the floor on carpets. Water was brought to our house uh, in donkey cart. And our kids absolutely loved it. It took us a little bit longer to get there, the parents. But... That wasn't because we were trying to live unusually. We were trying to live like all our neighbors. 90% of the people in our country lived just like that. So we have to change our mindset. Uh, physical conditions are difficult, but you know what? Human beings are adaptable. We can if we want to. All right, the last one. Missionary methods are seen as foreign. Uh, we have to retool... Now listen to me carefully because you'll think I'm saying compromise. I'm not. We have to retool the message of Christ in a way that is understood to our hearers. If I come as a Westerner, as an American, to an Arab context that hates Americans, 
and I couch everything I say in terms of politics and Obamacare and all of that, then what will they hear? My message is a Western American political agenda. They don't hear Christ. So we have to share Christ in a way that they understand. And that's the great thing about going in teams, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, what can we do differently? Uh, the mnemonic is call, C-A-L-L. Um, this is based on research of many, many hundreds and hundreds of uh, people who have gone out across the world into the 1040 window who have come back and reported on what works and what doesn't work. And what they found is that every single group that did these things, that concentrated on these things, they were able to eventually plant a church of Jesus Christ. No matter how hard, no matter how hostile, it didn't matter. These were the things that always showed up. The first is that the group had to be absolutely, absolutely given to planting a church. They weren't there to dig a well, although that might be what they're doing, but their their purpose was to plant a church. Um, they might be there to uh, do schools for kids or orphanage or whatever the, the platform was. The ultimate purpose was always to start a church planting movement that people uh, in that culture would take on the name of Christ, be identified with Christ, and they themselves would begin sharing Christ with others. Um, we found that in the first five years that we began sharing Christ, as foreigners, the church grew very, very slowly. But once they started doing it, oh my goodness, it just became exponential. Wonderful. Apostolic effort in residence. Apostolic, we're taking back a very um, old word. It's in the Bible. Um, not to mean like Paul, but in the sense of being sent like Paul. We're not, you know, the first original disciples of Christ. But every one of us has sent to share Christ in another culture. Okay, we work in a local heart language. That means that if you live in uh, Senegal, for example, West Africa, um, you can't learn just French. That's a bridge language. It's not a heart language. You need to learn Wolof, the heart language. If you're in India, is English enough? No. You need to learn that heart language that's there. And that's hard in some countries because, like Nigeria, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of languages that have to be, that are potentials. Okay? Um, commitment to long-term engagement. You've got to be there. Uh, William Carey took him 10 years for his first convert. Uh, I don't think I'm better than him. And we should not expect our, our missionary teams to be better and, and exceptional. This is not an instant world where we order it from Amazon and we get free delivery. Um, it takes, on the average, 7 to 10 years for a church plant to be established. 7 to 10 years. That's an average. It can be more, it can be less. In our experience, th that was about right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any questions real quick here? Yeah? This one? And, and with Matthew 18, you know, what's left to be done? Uh, given the statistics that we have here on that one, 38% you know, or 2.8 billion have not heard anything, and 87% uh, of the missionaries working uh, known in the Christian areas. How, how would you take that same thing there and uh, figure that 
area that we also have in the United States needing missionaries mm -hmm. to do the same thing. Do you have any kind of figures? Uh, I don't fresh on, on hand, but you can go to joshuaproject.net. That's where all of this data comes from. Joshuaproject.net. Uh, you'll see it later on the screen for resources. But all of the data on unreached projects starts from there, and there's links to all kinds of other places. But um, that data comes from people who are on the ground, from ethnologists, from anthropologists, and, and it is the, the standard place to go to. Um, there are obviously unreached people groups in the United States that need to be reached. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, I know I've got a lot of them. You can take a lot of them in uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, parts of Tennessee, Kentucky, and now West Virginia. And then once you go north, you know, uh, a lot of them are virtually untouched in some areas. Okay, there are people who are untouched in the United States, but we need to be careful in, in our definitions. For example, if, if you're saying just individual Americans, um, we need to be a little bit more specific um, and go back to the unreached people groups. That is an ethnic group. Um, if, if I'm Anglo-Saxon, American, that's my ethnic group. Um, we, our people have been reached. Not completely, but there is enough of a gospel witness for that to keep on going on by itself. We can reach our own. We have enough people who are saved, who are in churches. But there are many other groups, uh, for example, like different Indian groups, for example, that have no witness at all. All right. Do they have access to that? Then that gives them a little advantage. So, for example, in L.A., there's lots and lots of resources for unreached people to access Christ. Okay. I'm talking about people who have no Bible, have, have no Christians around them that they recognize as followers of Christ, there are no buildings, there are no libraries, there are, there are no bookstores they can go to, no radio stations that are proclaiming Christ. So for them to get access to Christ is impossible unless we do something for them, unless we bring it to them. Does that make sense? Does that help? Okay. Any other questions? Real quick. Okay. Trends. Trends in the Great Commission work. Triage and prioritizing. We have to retool what we're doing. We have to change what we're doing and figure out what we need to do right. Okay? That's mostly leadership. That means if you're in this room, that affects you. That affects me as a missionary, uh, district leaders, um, pastors, whoever you are if you're a leader. Southern Hemisphere. I think we, we all know now that the Christian church now has gone south in the positive sense. The southern hemisphere is the Christian world. The northern hemisphere is, is, is behind. All of the growth is happening in the southern hemisphere. For me, this is really exciting because I live in Africa, West Africa. So that means in West Africa, um, in places where the church is, it's booming. Booming. So we want to hook up with the West African churches that are strong and say, hey, come and join us. Let's reach the continent of Africa together. So in Latin America, the same. There are, there are literally hundreds of Latinos who want to come to Africa, to West Africa, to our country, even in the closed country, say, we're ready to go. We just need a place. We need a method. We need a way. Show us and we're in. So the, the second world, this southern hemisphere, is on fire for Christ. And we are behind, and we're catching up, <laughs> which is really exciting. Uh, strategic partnerships. 
how many people here are professional clergy? You are a minister of the gospel. Okay. My point is that there are not a, us around to get the Great Commission task done. We need everybody to get it done. And the Great Commission task was not given to the clergy. It wasn't given to the reverends. It wasn't given to the pastors. It was given to his church to do. So to get it done, we have to get the church on board, 100% on board together to get it done. And that means Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, American churches working with Latino churches, with African churches, with missionaries on the ground, with lay people, um, all across the board. It has to be a much more integrated approach. The power of the Assemblies of God is that we're a fantastic mission body. We're a fantastic um, leadership body. But those two groups are not enough to get it done. We need all the rest of the people out there to get the job done. So you can... Spin that around your head and figure out how, what does that mean for us in the local church. Lay people. Uh, the Moravians, uh, there are several others out there. They're exceptional uh, examples in our past of missionary movements that were lay, that were not professional. Extremely successful. Our challenge for us is that because we are a professional clergy movement, how do we get lay people to buy in? How do we get them to join us if everyone they see in front is a professional? Does that make sense? So they need to see lay people in front who are doing it so they can believe that when I stand up here and I talk to a youth group and I say, we need people to go, they're saying, oh, you're a professional, God's called you, you're special, you're you're unusual, you're that 1%. We need all 90% to go. And until they see those 99% represented as their leaders going, then they're going to say, that's not for me. I can't do it. I'm just a normal person. I'm an everyday kind of person. And what does the gospel say? It's it's Christ in us. It's not superheroes. It's Christ in us. Um, Teams. The number one new thing that has happened that makes uh, difficult places possible is for teams to go in and share the gospel. There's lots of reasons why that works. Uh, I'd like to think that a lot of those reasons are biblical ones. Um, If you look at the New Testament and you look at the ministry teams that went out, we as Westerners and individualistic and as Americans who are the most individualistic of any country on the planet... We read, when Paul says, I went to Ephesus, we hear one person getting on a boat and preaching the gospel. But you read the text, and what does it say? There was a whole group of people that went together to preach the gospel and to share and to interact and disciple. So we need to reread the text again and take out our individualistic mindset from Western and, and remember that, that teams was God's original intent. Um, dare I say that even in the garden, that his plan was for two. It was for two from the very beginning. And it was the people of Israel that were supposed to be the witness to the peoples of the earth. It wasn't just one. 
So that's our challenge. As we send out teams, groups of people, they're there to support each other. They're also there to be uh, the body of Christ to each other. And again, I myself am not enough to show you, an individual who has never known Christ, myself, I am not enough to show you all of Christ. But the body of Christ is. When that individual, that Muslim, sees the body of Christ in action and hears worship for the first time and feels the presence of God for the first time in that room, that happens when the body of Christ is there. And that's why teams are so essential, that we carry the presence of God with us. It's much more difficult to do that one-on-one. Okay, triage. Uh, prioritizing. We need to reset our priorities. If we believe that 72% of all of our missionaries are going, uh, are not working with unreached, and we're not focus on, focusing on them, then we need to re-cha- refocus, rechange, retool. All right, IMB is a Southern Baptist. You've heard of these people? Um, they're the largest uh, group of Protestant missionaries out there. Uh, very successful. I know that's hard to say in our group, but a little humility there. Um, back in the mid-'80s, they decided as a denomination that they would scrap, phase out, grandfather every single missionary who was not going to unreached people. Just like that. Now, I have met with, I have good friends who they said at the end of my term on the field, they're going back to the United States because they are no longer focusing on unreached people, so their career is done. Unless... They re-up and go to an unreached people. Now, I'm not sure if that's the direction we should take. That seems pretty severe. But to tell you, there is an entire organization that was very serious at least a decade, two decades ago, and said, we are going to reschedule, refocus, and send everyone to an unreached people group. Frontiers is probably the premier um, missions sending body to Muslims in closed countries. Um, it's the first group that we went to. When we went to our closed country, there was not an Assemblies of God group there. did not exist. Our Assemblies of God uh, movement is about 20 years behind on reaching unreached people groups as far as other mission groups are concerned. We're catching up fast, but uh, they're good. World Horizons is another out of the U.K., um, AGWM started its first focus with Northern Asia, China, and then um, Live Dead came along. How many have heard of Live Dead before today? All right. Could you, could you tell me what you think that is real quick? Okay. You raised your hand too? That's exactly what it is. You said unreached teams and unreached people groups. That's what Live Dead does, okay? So they're targeting the 1040 window. They've asked us. It started in East Africa. They went to North Africa. They asked us to join and and do all of West Africa. We're sending two teams to Dakar and then to um, Mali. Um, But 
what's cool about Live Dead is that young people think that it's amazingly fresh and new. Uh, it, it's, it's not. We don't tell them that. <laughs> it's a very old idea, but Live Dead comes out of the New Testament directly that we are alive for Christ and, and dead to self so that they can see Christ in us. Okay, and being willing to suffer for the name of Christ if that's what it takes to get the gospel to people who've never heard. Um, but when you say that to young people, I have three guys in college, like, oh, man, that is just, that's just awesome. I'm like, yeah, that's what the first missionaries did back in the day. <laughs> okay. All right, districts and networks are involved. Um, there are more than 19 districts in the United States that have developed strategic partnerships with Live Dead that I know of. And what they have said is um, we're going to partner specifically with uh, one, two, three teams that are engaged with a particular people group, and we're going to invest time, money, resources, people, teams, whatever it takes, we will help those teams achieve their task of helping that people group reach the lost, and to plant a church that reaches other churches, that starts other churches, that starts other churches. Um, and that's spreading. Um, of course, the local level, um, churches have to decide um, who are the kinds of people that they're going to support and not support. I am not suggesting that you should drop any missionary that is not going to uh, an unreached people group. I do believe there are some things that are strategic. Uh, and you as a church, with the help of the Holy Spirit, need to figure out what are those things that, that truly are always important. Um, we can talk more about that in, when we get to, to the end. Uh, the Africa team, uh, the entire continent of Africa, has been in a process of two years of doing this triage process. We, as a missionary body, have met together, lots of meetings, lots of prayer time, asking God, how do you want us to retool? What can we do better? How can we do better? And just a couple months ago in South Africa, we signed a document where we pledged ourselves to do whatever it took to reach the lost, the last unreached people groups of, of, of our continent for Christ. What that means is that already some people who are second career, third career missionaries are saying, you know what? When we come back home, we're going to re-up and go to one of those hard places. They're doing it. There's a couple that has been for a long time in East Africa. They say, you know what? Um, in our last term, we're going to go to Madagascar. We're going to go to the jungle. We're going to go to the literally the end of the road where it ends, and we will trek by foot into the mountains to reach those people that other people don't have the time or energy or interest to reach. So what's happening? Praise God. Southern Hemisphere, 70% of world Christians live in the southern half of the world. Strategic partnerships, this is you. You'll be talking more about this. Um, let me add a couple things here. National churches are increasingly involved in trying to reach the lost. Um, in our country, underground church, uh, I discovered that there was a battle uh, over tradition. Um, our Assemblies of God missionaries have done an extremely good job. So good that we have taught our national churches to also be extremely traditional. So we had people from Nigeria, from Ghana, from Liberia in this very Arab Muslim context and they had a building and they had a name on it, it said church. 
And they played loud music, and they had all-night prayer meetings and woke up all the neighbors, and the police came and arrested everybody because they were disturbing the peace. And they got kicked out because on their passports, they had missionaries stamped on their passport. And at the end of three, four, five, seven years, they had no believers. My one Liberian pastor friend came to me and said, what can we do differently? And I said, well, look at the, the groups where people are coming to Christ and see what they're doing. And so he did, and th- that's why he was talking to, to us and others. And so he started learning the local language, first thing. He got really excited after about three months. He started having some language. He says, I'm making friends everywhere. And people want to know about Christ, simply because he, he decided that he was going to learn the local language. So we have a job as missionaries to help our national churches um, be a little bit more creative and flexible in how they present the gospel. Okay, parachurch groups. Uh, There are lots and lots of groups in our churches in the U.S. who are doing missions besides us, right? Uh, My son is going to, he's in college. He's going to Mozambique um, with Heidi Baker. Anybody? Heidi Baker Ministries? Okay. Parachurch organization. They're out there. They are involved in missions. Um, Our task as church, mission and local churches, how do we partner together with the Lord of the Harvest with those who are on the field? How do we do that better? Okay. And then some people believe that missions should be done individually. Since I already believe in team, you know what I think of that. Um, And usually individuals who go are people... Um, uh, who want to go for a short-term, wonderful experience. And what we need is people who are willing to go seven to ten years plus. Okay? So if you have those people in your churches, get them to join to the group and think long-term and invest. All right, lay people. Chi Alpha, volunteers, and MAs. Um, Chi Alpha people are probably the fastest-growing body of missionaries that we have now in the Assemblies of God. And you'll say, well, they're not missionaries. Well, they're lay people. Exactly. They are on fire for Christ. They are passionate. They already know about discipleship. They know about accountability. They know about team. These are precisely the kind of people that we in Live Live Dead need. We need. And dare I say this? Can Can I be honest? Uh, I'm also a pastor, some of a guy missionary, so I'm speaking about myself. It is easier to train a Chi Alpha person to do undercover uh, evangelism to Muslims than it is a senior pastor. A senior pastor is an important person. When you land on the ground and you don't know language and you're fumbling for the right word, and everything is a struggle, all that you hold dear is stripped away. And there isn't much in your background, in our backgrounds as leaders here in the United States that prepares us for what we experience in that new culture. So we have to either become extremely humble (laughs) really fast, or we have to start training our people better. What does it mean to be a leader? Are we... Are we big people or are we servants? And to be a servant of Christ to people who are hostile to to Christ, uh, that's a hard thing already. 
And they see our pride, they see our position, they see our foreignness, but what they want to see is a person who loves and is passionate about God, a person of prayer, a person who loves the poor. When they see those things, they are excited. It is not hard for me to share Christ um, as someone who's pretending to be a stupid American who's just trying to learn their language. I say, tell me your language. Oh, tell me about this building. Tell me about your history. And I become the learner and they become the teacher. And guess what? That builds relationship, an opportunity to share Christ. So harsh words, but please take that with the spirit it was intended. We need a ton of volunteers. Uh, You have them in your churches. The younger generation is looking for meaning. They're looking for something that's, that's fun. And they're looking for something that's creative. These are people in the secular world. These are people who will give up their jobs for free and serve communities for an entire year or two without compensation because it's meaningful, it's fun, and it's creative. So we as a church, we have something that is meaningful, don't we? And hopefully what we're doing is fun. I think in America that's not a problem for most of us. And we're trying to do more and more creative stuff that really taps into what God wants to do to touch people for Christ. Any questions, comments here real quick? I'll give you some time to think a little bit on that. Yeah? Do you know if any of that is trickling into our Bible colleges and how we're training and preparing future missionaries slash pastors? I just think it's ironic that like I, I don't see those words as harsh necessarily. I think they're true. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering what's the trickle down. Yes. Um, I know of at least three that I have either two, Valley Forge and Northwest University, have extensive um, uh, practicums and internships that as soon as you decide that you are going to be involved in any kind of ministry, they are sending people literally all over the planet to plug into missionaries or uh, nonprofit charities, Christian organizations to help them serve Christ abroad. It's happening all the time, so kudos to them. Southeastern University is probably the hottest mission school that we have right now. Those people are absolutely on fire for Christ and for missions. Uh, pardon? Did I say Southeastern? Southwestern, sorry. Sorry, Southwestern. Southwestern. My mis- Southwestern is, um, every student that I've talked to that has been there recently will just talk about the tremendous passion that the, the entire campus has for Christ and for serving him. It's not a coincidence that um, in the same state, the, the largest Chi Alpha sending group is also from Texas. They, are, they have a strategic partnership with Live Dead, and they are sending so many people, young people, into missions that they have too many. There's not enough places to plug them in. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a great problem. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So, yes, we're, we're catching up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in Live Dead Cairo and you have young people, they can actually get their credentialing while they are doing their practicum in Cairo. So, yeah, some interesting partnerships are happening already. Okay, Live Dead, the definition sending teams to plant churches among unreached people groups. 
Um, in North Africa, the 17 is the 17 gateway cities that they have targeted. These are the cities that need Christ. We need to send teams. We, we don't have any teams there. We need to be there. So if you need to give vision to young people, they want purpose. 17 cities in North Africa that need Jesus in teams to go there and live. Places like Libya, not fun places. Places like Yemen, like Oman, um, well, even Cairo now. Um, pretty much you can take whatever city you want. It's, it's not the most pleasant place to be. <laughs> um, nine. In East Africa, there are nine teams right now in really, really tough places. And they want to go to even tougher places. I was just in Tanzania where everyone who's a Christian there suffers for the name of Christ. Um, the pastor of the church there has been there for 20 years, a national that God called out of the army to be a missionary pastor to that island. They tried to burn down his church last year. They broke down the walls. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't find him. He was there in the building. And he said that um, when I was there, it was just uh, two weeks before, the nearest imam, Muslim leader, came to his office uh, and said, uh, I want some help. And the pastor said, Bo, you're trying to cause trouble for us. You're, please don't, don't bother us. And he said, no, 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 my wife is with me. She needs prayer. So it's the, the long term, that's the short term, you know, wonderful testimony. What you don't hear is the 20 years that he served and suffered and that entire church community has prayed and prayed and prayed and now the gospel of Christ is is starting to seep into the community and people are beginning to say hey if I want to get healed there's this place if I if I have demons in, in, in one of my family members that's the place so it's becoming known so that's what we need to do the community of Christ embedded in Muslim places where they can see and hear and feel Jesus um, Two, two is the two teams in West Africa. We're just starting up, one in Dakar, one in Mali. Uh, the one in um, Dakar will start in August uh, among the Wolof people. Um, the other one is in Bamako, and this is a training center like the one in Cairo. We'll be training teams to go all across the Sahara region. There are 300 people groups that are on my list to reach. Just 300. I, I feel fortunate. <laughs> Instead of the... 6,800. All right, if you've, uh, anyone done the 30-day challenge for Live Dead? You can go to livedead.org. If anyone, in, especially young people, if they want to be challenged for mission, uh, there have been more people challenged to do uh, long-term missions and short-term missions by reading this 30-day journal. And basically, it just go, walks through the steps uh, that, a per, that missionaries have engaged with Muslims on the ground, and I don't know how many people have written me emails and say, I want to go. They do the 30 days, and they say, I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I want to go. God's told me to go. I need to go. I need to check it out. So, all right. So how do we plug in? And this gets to you. I've been talking too long. JoshuaProject.net. There's all kinds of resources. This handout comes from JoshuaProject.net. You can look at resources tab. Everything's there for you. Uh, all of their stuff is downloadable. You can copy everything that they have 
reproduce everything they have. It's all available for you and me to use to further the cause of Jesus. There are PowerPoint presentations. If you wanted to do this little chat like what I've done for your church or you want someone in your, on your staff to do that, um, just give them those resources. They download it. Boom, and you've got a group discussion. Okay, if you're a, a brainy, brainiac, uh, intellectual, thinking-type person, um, Fuller has a magazine, the International Journal of Frontier Missions, which is the cutting-edge missions research into unreached people's group. If you want to know what's going on, latest research, that's the place to go. It's excellent. Um, if you had to get one book that talks about unreached and how to reach um, Muslims in hard places or Buddhists or whatever, Seed to Fruit by Woodbury is absolutely phenomenal. It comes with a CD or DVD with all kinds of resources. You can go to their website. Um, I have used, and I'm still using a bunch of their, their articles and resources to do our on-the-ground uh, on training for our, our people. Global Prayer, if you want to figure out how to pray for Unreached, that's a good source. Wide Open Missions is the AG link. If, if a young person comes to you and says, hey, how do I get involved? They go to that site and they can sign up. Just sign up. They fill out a form, and they start plugging in with the district, getting their credentials, and then an email gets sent to me if they're coming to West Africa, and I start an email phone conversation with that individual in the first week that they apply, usually in a couple days. And so we track with them from day one until after they've arrived and a year after to make sure not only are they plugged in, but they're thriving and, and doing great things for, for God. Okay? Uh, Operation World, and then there's LiveDead.org, and you have the handout. Okay. Um, on your handout, there's all kinds of resources there, links. Um, it, it looks, you know, black and white and really, really cheap, it, but the content is fantastic. I didn't redo it to make it look glossy and wonderful. So if you want to give that to a staff person to retool, go for it. <laughs> All right, discussion. Uh, here are the questions, and you may have others, but in your groups, uh, please don't do more than four because you won't be able to hear each other, but you can just turn your desk around and go through uh, these questions. How can we engage our local church? Uh, that's a big one. How do we maintain a balance? In other words, okay, there are a limited amount of resources in our church. How do we uh, mix those together and still... Uh, finish the task of the unreached. What apps are available? Um, if you have Android, there are literally tons. I have one that's from um, a Joshua Project. There's also prayers every day. There's literally hundreds of, of apps you can get for free to help you. That might be more important if you're younger or you like those kinds of gadgets, to tech to help you. What can the missions committee do? I don't know what you have to do missions, but whatever that is, whatever apparatus you have that drives missions, how can they do um, their job in a more effective way? And then the last one, how can we motivate our people to give, pray, and go? Okay, if you have other questions, that's fine. Um, but if you go ahead and take, uh, our time is at 20 after we stop, right? Okay, all right. Let's, let's take at least uh, 20 after in your groups, and then we'll break and get some feedback from you. So go ahead and, and break into your groups. Groups of four, if you can. Groups of four.
great. So it's a kind of an engaged component. Yeah. So what's 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 some other stuff? What's some highlights of what your your conversation was? Anybody? Hey. hey. So what's one other thing here? What's one? Yeah. Go ahead. greater percentage of women who are going to missions, single, whatever, they will do it. They're just more spiritual. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and guys are too busy into career and car and house. and. Sure. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Can a group think tank here? Um, unreached peoples are a huge priority. I mean, we saw statistics, 2.8 billion. I mean, depending on what you read, I mean, it's just shocking. And these are people that they don't have access. They don't know a Christian. They don't have, a, like Craig said, don't have a Bible. What could we do in our local churches? I'm a pastor of a local church, so I, I work. What could we do in this, in our church, let's say theoretically, this month 
that could elevate the cause, just the awareness of unreached peoples. Like, just ideas. This can just be like quick. What, what would you do if I said, hey, by the end of the month, I want you to highlight, um, just make people aware of unreached peoples. What would you do? Bring in Craig Corbin. <laughs> Bring in Craig Corbin. Solution. Okay, action step. Bring in a special speaker. Okay. Sure. So what Craig provided there? Yeah. Yes, I think that, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That you could have, you know, a slideshow or, you know, uh, a point. Great idea. Some kind of presentation? Okay, Facebook, social media. Right. Where? Craig. Craig. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So great ideas. Uh, have a presentation. Maybe do a PowerPoint. You could do that before service on a Sunday morning. That's perfect. Do a little window instead. Maybe maybe what if you did? What if you did something like this instead of talking about a missionary missions project, where one month you just talked about an unreached people group? What if you did something like this? Educate in general, not talk about something specific. Okay. Social media. What's some other ideas? We got just a few minutes here, and then we've got a got lunch time. Great, great. Let me ask you this, Craig. And we've only got a few minutes here. Um, how would people say, you know, in this room? God's got your heart this morning, and you've kind of got this question mark of going, maybe God's kind of leaning me to go work with Live Dead, go engage in missions. How would people, what steps do they need to take right now? Um, they can go to wideopenmissions.org. Uh, or they can shoot an email to me, camelsmilk at hushmail.com, or my Twitter account, camelsmilk Twitter. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you do any one of those things, um, then our organization um, starts plugging you in, however you need to be plugged in, to a live dead team. Okay? Tell you what, um, you want to change your church's missions. Um, have people from your church become missionaries, MAs, Christian workers across the world. Um, when you've got your own homegrown people on the field, it'll change how you look at things. And so, really encourage you. Um, one thing, if you, uh, I, me and a guy by the name of Tom Baxter led a session on missions resources. We have a few extra handouts. You can, they're first come, first serve. You can take them. They got a bunch of resources on there. Let's do this. Um, we're going to close our time in prayer. But before I do that, really important instructions. It is lunchtime, which means a few things. And they talked, I think they talked about the first session, but I want to reiterate it. Um, you're going to go out this door and you're going to go across the lobby and the line's going to start and it's go around. You're going to grab a box and you're going to go to your third session. Okay, third session, grab a box. This is important instruction. This is not like time to shop for what you got. They got three options. Grab your option and go. If you don't like the chips you got, um, trade with somebody, make a friendship, okay? Um, let's pray together and let's just take just a, just a moment. We got just two minutes. How about we do this? Would it be appropriate to pray for unreached peoples? And so let's pray together and ask God, the Lord of the harvest, the God who created them,
to send laborers for the harvest. Let's do that. Can we pray together? Father, we just intercede in this moment. God, as believers in Jesus Christ, there are people who have flesh and blood, who have hearts beating in their chests, just like us, who haven't had the wonderful providence of having someone tell them about you. They don't have anybody. They don't have anybody. And Father, right now we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you would send your workers, that you would, in this room even, call people to go, leave their comfort behind, leave their their life behind here, and say yes to the call of God, to go to a place and share the gospel with people who need desperately to know. This is not, not for them to get a better life. This is for them to have a different eternity. And so, Father, we would pray in this moment, Lord, that you would do your work in our hearts and that we would take this message to our congregations and our churches and our spheres of influence that we would share about the people who need to know, who have never heard. Who do, if you said Jesus, they wouldn't know who that was. Lord, you move on our hearts to be ambassadors for you and be, be, be people who would be champions for people who don't know you and don't have access to you, Lord. God, may we be people who commit to pray because we know the battle is won in prayer. And so, Father, would you put it on our hearts? God, I pray, Lord, as we go from this place, would we be equipped and challenged, inspired, And God, would you do your work in our hearts and through our hands and our feet, Lord, we pray. God, we thank you for Craig and what he's doing. We pray for the Live Dead Initiative. God, we ask that you would put your hand of anointing upon him, Lord, that you would just raise up workers. And God, that West Africa can come to know Jesus Christ in partnership through things like Live Dead and what Craig and the Corbins are doing. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go get some lunch. Go to your third session with your box.